All right. Welcome, everybody, once again to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. Our usual host, Alan Pettigrew, is out today. But, you know, we are still here as scheduled. It is I, Calvin McGowan, and I will let uh, this man here introduce himself. Come one, come all. This is a Traveling Coopers podcast. I am your host. Wait, did you already do that? Yeah, I, I got that, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. Now, uh, this is uh, this is Philip, Philip Arthur Dixon, pad for the ones closest to me. Um, and um, there shall not be any LaVar Ball hate on this podcast. Go. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, that reminds me. Apparently, um, what, LiAngelo Ball got a Pistons contract? Yeah, he got a one he got a one year non guaranteed contract with the Pistons, um, and you know, training camp during the process of trying to make the team pretty much at that position, right? Um, and from what I hear, according to my sources, which is just, I always hate it when people go according to my sources, but this is things they were off the internet. But like, so like, according to like my sources, which is like. ESPN, Fox Sports, you know, the, not the shows, but, like, the articles from their websites. Like, he has a strong chance of actually making the team. Like, he actually has a strong chance. Uh, he's listed as a guard. You know, this might have been the first time. Because he, he, he might have been listed as, a, as, like, a small four or something like that uh, at his sm- with his small stint at UCLA and other places, Lithuania and such as that. Um, but, yes, he does have one contract. Um, or the non-guaranteed, or one one way, non-guaranteed. Uh, we already know about Lonzo and Pelicans. We already know about uh, Lamelo Ball in the uh, Hornets. Um, yeah. Anybody who tries to speak ill of Lavar, um, like at any, really for me personally, at any point, right? At any point, uh, in the past, they had no credibility with me, but. If they try to do that exact same thing now, they should not have any credibility with anyone moving forward, right? Like he, what through our three, through our three three sets of brothers in the NBA right now: the Holiday brothers, the Ball mm-hmm. brothers, and uh, the Antetokounmpo's. Uh, there's three of them also, and but we know all the Holiday brothers. We know, we know all the Holiday brothers. We know all the Ball brothers. We don't know all the Antetokounmpo's. I'm not gonna lie to you, like, uh, like there's there, there's a one that was on the bench with the Lakers. There was the one that is obviously Giannis, and then there's another one somewhere. And the only reason I even know about this guy right. is because like ESPN like put Thanis, a picture I of think. Him. Say it again. That one is Thanis, I think is his name. I hope I'm pronouncing. Honestly, no idea. I'm, All I know is he'll get what, no is love. he still in the league? I thought he wasn't. This 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 picture ESPN posted was probably a week ago. Because Leangelo, they posted it as like a three sets of three brothers, whatever. And it was after okay. the Leangelo was a week and a half ago. Okay. So it was after that, a week and a half, two weeks ago, that Leangelo was, you know, uh, that the contract was presented to Leangelo. So... So it was somewhere between that. So he's still in the NBA somewhere, right? 
Uh, which is crazy because we could have had four sets. The Plumleys, Mason, uh, the one Plum. They're all they all like are the same people to me. The one that uh, isn't one of them in the Navy or something. One of them went to Air Force, something like that. The military. He went to one of the branches of the military. Um, mm-hmm. But like he had a chance to go to the NBA, but like, the didn't because he wanted to serve his military and be a colonizer or whatever. But he. He wanted to be in the military, whatever it is, so he went over there and did that. But that could have been another one. But instead, we got the, the three ball brothers, and LeVar Ball is the truth. It's really funny because I've been watching like ESPN nowadays, and they're like, or ESPN, Fox Sports 1. And they're like, yeah, give a shout-out to LeVar. And then all of a sudden now, they're trying to like give like itty-bitty, like they're trying to give bits of shout-outs to the mother. I think her name is Nancy, I believe. And they're trying to give a little bit of shout-out to her also. But I'm like, so when you have to show him love, you want to, like, divide the love. But when you want to hate, you put all the hate on him. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, but I think it's just, it's just you know, it comes along with a game, I guess, if you want to be a public figure as a father of sports heads, of, sports, of athletes. I mean, in fairness, as far as, like, centralizing the hate, he did go, he was very public about all the shit talking he did. Listen, I've seen I've seen LeVar Balls on the benches of every basketball game I pretty much went to of any middle schooler of any middle school game at any high school game. Like there's a there's a quote unquote LeVar ball there. Mm-hmm. His boys just happen to make it to the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's a normal guy. Like he's a oh, he's I mean, a yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a he's a dad, but his boys just happen to you know be like six 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 seven in point guards. You know what I mean? Like his son just happened to be really 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 skillful, and I just happened to be. I like I don't want to take credit away from him, but his boys are skillful, so they were able to go to higher levels. But him as an individual, he's you. If you've been in the basketball realm at any age. He's just another parent that's on the sidelines. But people wanted to pretend like he wasn't. Like, he was like an outlier. Like, can you believe LeVar Ball? Can you believe LeVar Ball this? LeVar Ball that? And the whole time I was watching, I'm like, yeah. Because that's so-and-so's dad. And he was like that when I was in eighth grade. And that's so-and-so's dad. And he was like that when I was a senior in high school. You know what I mean? But all I wanted to say is I just wanted to get that off my chest immediately. No LeVar Ball slander will ever happen on this podcast. It will never happen on my timeline or I'll unfollow you. It will never happen on my Instagram or I'll block you. It will never happen because if you think if you think negative if you think negatively towards him, then I can't trust you as an individual to think logically about anything. Well, that was kind of wild, but um another NBA news. Westbrook to the Wizards for what was it? John Wall and uh, yeah, a fairly heavily protected one. I want to think. Yeah, I would, I would assume so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. Like Westbrook and Bradley Beal is a good duo. Like, yeah, it's a good duo because. Bradley Bill spreads the floor, and they don't play anything alike. So it's a good duo. It's a good, you know, 
deal in that sense for the Wizards. They have two star players that play nothing, nothing alike. It's always good in a basketball scheme way of things of doing things. Um, but also at the same time, it's the Wizards, and they'll never win anything. Um, yeah. It's just true. Like it's just true. The Wizards, they just never win anything. It is what it is. Like. Yeah, you had Gilbert Arenas at one point, but, like, you still lost really early in the playoffs, even when you had him. You got John Wall. Injuries happen. Bradley Bill, for some reason, signed that crazy long deal. Like, it just happens. It's what it is. The Wizards are not a winning team of NBA status. Um, but you got the Rockets. If James Harden stays, which now looks like he's just going to stay, and that John Wall move essentially solidified it in my mind. Um, that he was staying, I am curious, because John Wall is inherently a facilitator. He, like, like, that is what he is, right? Like, he is a... He is a Chris Paul with less opportunities. Because Chris Paul, like, we, like we've only seen John Wall with the Wizards. We haven't had... And once again, it's the Wizards. So we haven't had a chance to see John Wall like in a situation that could ultimately be successful. Chris Paul had the Clippers. Chris Paul had that one Hornets year. Chris Paul had the Rockets. Chris Chris Paul's been in good situations to like win. So, but their games are like kind of alike. But I'm curious about the tandem of John Wall and James Harden, because I think it'll work. I think if if Chris Paul, if John, if if uh, James Harden could work with uh, Chris Paul, and James Harden could like semi work with Westbrook, except Westbrook was like he seemed off in the playoffs for for whatever reason, right? He just watched him seemed a little off. I don't know why. Uh, wasn't that explosive? It was just kind of a I don't know. It seemed off a little bit. But if James Harden could work with Westbrook. He can definitely work with John Wall. And I just glad I'm glad that John Wall's in a different situation than the Wizards. Like I really am. So I'm really interested to see how this works and I really hope it does work. Like, do you think he's gonna come back to the same player that like we've seen? He hasn't played a whole lot of basketball the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um I think John Wall's game allows him to come back like John Wall's game allows him to come back from injury and be more likely to be the same player because yes he's fast like fast with the ball no north to south whatever coast to coast but he's skillful he's crafty with the ball and he's not like he's a good scorer but his main thing is facilitating the rock. Like, that's why he's really good at passing the ball, facilitating, get everybody involved. He's happened to be trying to get the Wizards involved. <laughs> so with the Rockets, I think that with the way he plays, he should be able to come back and be just, even though he might not be just as explosive because he's also getting older and whatever, but he should be able to have significant impact it might be a little less than when he was with the wizards but it still should be significant i'll say 
Also, John Wall has like one of the greatest hoop mixtapes of all time. One of let that be known. Like, I remember like being in AU tournaments in like Los Angeles in high school, and like sitting on the toilet before I was getting ready to go play a game, and like watching John Wall's hoop mixtape, like trying to get in my like trying to get myself hyped because he had the most hype hoop mixtapes of all time. So that's also another reason why I, I always root for John Wall. But it's it just like it's still very like it's one of those things like it's still very possible like he comes back and he's not quite the same player. Wait. And, and and the thing is it's like correct me from he's never been much of a shooter. Mm-hmm. Um and like he is also kind of a ball dominant player. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, heart like what? Uh, Chris Paul is ball dominant. Westbrook tends to be kind of ball dominant. And those things that, like, having them didn't necessarily pay dividends for Harden or the Rockets necess- in terms of, like, if you're trying to be like, we're trying to win it all. Right? So, like, how would having Wall be more than a lateral move? I think huh, more than a lateral one I think if you I think if James Harden could work with Russell Westbrook and ball dominance wasn't an issue, then I think John Wall is like much easier than that, I'll say. Like I would give I would give it that. He had like John Wall is closer to a Chris Paul than he is a Russell Westbrook. Uh in terms of just like how they want to play the game, right? Like John Wall's not gonna go over there and steal a, re- a rebound from a big big man. Like that's not what he's gonna do. But he's always gonna be more than Chris Paul, taller, just a, a, a bit less crafty, but still crafty. Uh, but if he if James Harden could play with Westbrook, and ball dominance wasn't necessarily an issue, then I think he'll be fine with John Wall all in the same. Um, but I think the pieces around them also, you know contribute to if the success is going to be lateral or not. I mean, the Marcus Cousins is not the Marcus Cousins I remember. Um, it's unfortunate, but he's been injury plagued. He's been plagued with injury, which is unfortunate. So we don't know what we'll see out of him when he comes back. Um, and they have a lot of like the same players, a few different players, but mostly the same players on their on the Ross roster. So I'm not sure if, like, lateral moves, like, I don't think it'll be low. Well, it might be lateral because they might get the same, they might get to the same point in the playoffs. But once again, we'll have to see. Everybody's getting a little bit older. Injuries happen. And I think more injuries are going to happen this year because of the, once once again, because of the, uh, because of the shortened offseason. So we'll just have to see, honestly. Uh, but I hope that isn't the case. I do want to see John Wall succeed uh, outside of a Wizards uniform. Gonzaga and Baylor, probably the most anticipated um, game of the season, of, of the college basketball season, because it was a, like a, the top two teams in the country playing each other during, you know, non-conference, regular season, what have you. Um, it got canceled uh, or postponed. One of them, I, I don't consider it canceled until they say we have a date. 
um, it um, was postponed or what have you due to you know COVID concerns. Um, they shouldn't in basketball. They should not, but we are here and it's happening anyway. Um, and of course, it's probably Bailey's most anticipated game since Brittany Griner graduated. Um, but you know, it's also just kind of a shame because both the teams were pretty good. Um, having watched both of them, what was it? I think Wednesday. Uh-huh. Um, Zach the Zag played uh, West Virginia, and Baylor played Illinois. And you know, they look like very good programs. Um, one of the Zag's better players, uh, Jalen Suggs got hurt, he was able to come back um, and, you know, they got out of win. Um, but it was one of those games that, like, doesn't happen too often, so it's kind of a shame that it didn't get to happen. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what to say. Like, these things are going to happen if you're more work, or if you're more focused on, like, the capital you'll gain from athletics and like the athletes themselves and the faculty members themselves, the coaches, the janitors, the people who wipe the courts. Like if you're more focused on like the money you'll gain than you are the actual people who are making that money. Capitalism. Then these things are bound to happen. But we should be playing, but it is what it is. Like, like, I hate when people say, like, it is what it is. As like a, a, I feel like a lot of times a cop-out answer. But mm-hmm. I, think, I, I think at this moment, that's kind of what it is, though. Like, it is what it is because you're allowing them to play. So, like, these hazards are going to happen, and you can't necessarily control it. Like, you could, there's, no, there, there's not going to be a bubble. You know what I mean? Like, you can't control it. Um, you can't control it if, uh, 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 like, you, like, like, people are trying to do in, like, November, or not November, like, people are trying to do in, like, June, May, July. Like, you can't control it. So, if you want to play in open spaces with everybody there, not everybody there, but enough people there to where something might happen, then you're running the risk of people getting sick. And if, it's, if, you, if you think it's worth it, go ahead. But, you know, that's always what they're doing because they know money-hungry America, but tweets so. I mean, like, in fairness, at least as far as, like, coaches and players are concerned, and it doesn't mean they should be playing, but, like, players want to play games. Coaches want to coach. So the desire to play is kind of a natural one. Even if, like, you can look at it and be like, this is probably not that great an idea this year. Because it's not. For any number of logical and understandable reasons. Um, but I mean, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's just strange. Not necessarily strange. It's, I just find it interesting that kids are the athletes, right? So, like, for college, they're kids, right? <laughs> they're, they're not living adult lives. They're kids. They don't even have jobs. Ten, they have jobs, but we all know that whole entire issue. All of a sudden, you want to listen to them? <laughs> like, like, 
We want to play. You know what? You're right. They want to play, so they should let them play. Listen to the athletes. All of a sudden, you want to listen to the athletes? You know what I mean? Like, it's so sub- it's so situational, and there's, like, no – there's nothing constant about the the dialogue that it's kind of infuriating because all it is is the NCAA going, all right, this falls in line with our, this falls in line with our agenda. Let's do this. No, 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 no. That doesn't, so we'll just disregard that. Like, that's all it is. But, like, I feel like enough – I feel like it's in our face, but enough people aren't seeing it. Mm-hmm. It's – I don't know. It, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because, you know, you're <laughs> – you – making these kids work during this pandemic and all kind of stuff or making these kids play, you pretty much classified them as essential workers, but you don't want to pay them. So it just it, it so so it falls in line with why are you paying why are you paying people the least money or for kind of athletes no money to create entertainment for us as we sit at home. It makes no sense. Like it really makes no sense. But it's the NCAA just trying to get a fast one on everybody, which they they're, they're doing. Like it's working, unfortunately, but it's working. But it's like they're like dangling, they're dangling it in front of our face, like a twinkie in front of a fat man, and we just don't see it because we're so focused on, you know, our we being everybody, more focused on like trivial things, I guess. Um, which in hindsight, not in hindsight, like if you think about it, like no matter how much you love sports, like I love sports, Calvin, you love sports, um, Alan, I'm assuming also loves sports. Um, <laughs> if we love sports, but in terms of life, sports are trivial. But they're they're but they're acting like it's not. So it's like I don't know, like like you can't you can't allow a business, which is you know NCAA college basketball, sports, whatever it is, bat football, whatever. You can't allow a business and people who are businessmen, being the CEOs and all these people, the, the heads of boards, all kind of stuff, you can't allow them to dictate certain situations, which the pandemic is being is one of certain situations because they're thinking more of pocketbook than anything else. Honestly, the government should have stepped in and been like, okay, we'll pay – you know, because we'll pay, because you don't need to pay the kids. They got scholarships. But the government just stepped in and said, we'll play the, we'll pay the scorekeeper guy, whatever, his enough money so he, he, he can survive with a job. We'll pay enough for the, whoever it is that has a job who actually contributes to, like, us viewing the game or the referees or whatever, because that's their actual job and they actually get paychecks for that. We'll contribute so they so this hasn't had just have to be a thing. Since that didn't happen, you're allowing businessmen, businessmen and women to dictate to dictate the lives of too many people off of money. And it's unfortunate. So I'm saying. All right, so if I may, one, um, I tend to agree with you, but like we can easily go off on a tangent and move us away from the basketball podcast. So like if nothing else we can brain check that or what have you. Also, um, this is something that I know about because I checked once 
but scholarships are technically taxable income. Um, mm-hmm. But what I will say as far as like monetary motives and whatever, that while like I feel like coaches and players are more in, in the mindset of like they just want to like coach or play because like it's what you do, it's what you love. Like there's there is some like higher up certainly in terms of like athletic directors and conferences and schools who are struggling and trying to like justify their full price tag when people aren't getting in person classes that there is probably some you know money motive to it definitely and it's definitely stronger the higher up you go because at the end of the day the the student athlete gonna have their scholarship and the coach is gonna and, and the basketball coach and football coach are gonna get paid their money regardless. Like it's a salary. Um yeah. Like save I don't know the odd incentive or what have you. But you know those you know basketball and football in particular, they generate money for their for schools. Schools that, you know, given the um pandemic or what have you, a lot of them aren't exactly rolling in dough at the moment um so like you know i i just i just wouldn't want to be a, like the president of the university at the moment just me personally um because you have some shall we call them interesting decisions to make uh but in less vaguely apocalyptic fair um oh yeah um something that i've thought about and i've kind of been thinking about a little since I, the last podcast where um you made the argument that self has underperformed in his time at kansas um i would i would like to make the argument um rightly or wrongly that mark Few was probably the best coach in basketball um like on the whole Wait, who is? I can't hear you. Mark Few, Gonzaga. Okay. Um, that argument mainly resting on where he's taking, like, where his program started from when he took over to where to where it is now. Arguably the best program in the country. Um, definitely one of the best teams in the country, without question. Um, being a good high major to being a great basketball program. Winning against the highest competition continually. They were in the national title game not too long ago. They will probably be there again in the not too distant future. Um, Again, barring any unfortunate stuff um, or, you know, more COVID. But. I mean, he also got, he also took the most from the less, like he didn't have, he took the most, he got, no, he got the most out of the least. Like he did. Like, Mm -hmm. Before he got there, Gonzaga was nobody's. All of a sudden, Gonzaga is, you know, Gonzaga now, who we know Gonzaga to be. And I will say this. That last time we were talking about Tom Izzo and Bill Self, I, I was really for that Bill Self argument I was making. Like, I was really for it. Mm-hmm. But then at a certain point, I was just stuck in a vortex, and I couldn't get out. Because I was like, oh, dude, like, in my head, I was like, you're too deep. You you, you, you got to keep going with this argument. Like, because at some point, at one point, I, like, 
didn't believe what I was saying. <laughs> like, I was like, I, you're going really far, man. And then I was like too deep. I was too deep in the sauce. So I will say that a lot of what I said, even though it's factual, I wouldn't go as far to say that he has underachieved. Because if you remember KU in the 90s, they were not good. There was a long, there was a long stretch that no one talks about when KU was not good at basketball. Everybody wants to go straight from Paul Pierce to Roy Williams to uh, to Bill Self. There was a long stretch when KU was not good at basketball. Um, uh, but there was a lot. But Bill Self's successor was Roy Williams, or he succeeded Roy Williams. So. Bill Self worked with a lot. He had a lot going for him. You know what I mean? Uh, but at the end of the day, he it could it could be way worse. It could be way worse. So I wouldn't say he underachieved. I'm just saying I I, I would say he I, just, I would say he's done fine with what he's gotten. Like in fairness, now that I'm looking at it though, like while we're like Gonzaga, you know, obviously Gonzaga wasn't Gonzaga like it is now, but like they were they've been a good mid major for a while. Like put this in perspective there. Their last losing season was before either of us was born. Um, what, what year? Um, the eighty nine ninety season, like I the last born. season below five hundred. I was mm-hmm. born. I was born. Eighty nine ninety. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just like, I'm, or, like, or am I? I'm pretty sure you're joking, but uh, <laughs> regardless, um, but yeah. I was so, like, not... gag about how old I am. Hmm? I was just wanted to be a running gag about how old I am. I wanted yeah. to start it today and continue on for like five, six years down down the road, then finally reveal it, but it didn't work out too well. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> but, but yeah, they the Zags as a program have been good for a while. But Mark, you took it from like where it was, you know, just a good mid major to an amazing basketball program. Mm. Um, and I feel like, in, you know, let me double check myself before I say something wrong. Yeah, fact check yourself, because we don't want to be giving out fake sports news. We are not, uh, uh, who gives out fake sports news? The Ringer? I'm joking. They probably don't do that. Uh, we are not, you know, one of these. Tabloid? Well, yeah, we are not, we're not TMZ, right? We're not some trash tabloid sports Look who so and so is dating. We get the facts right, and I'm just you know making time until Calvin gets his uh his thoughts together about this information. <laughs> I'm just no, now I'm, no. This is just me. Te- this is just me checking stuff. I was like, I'm okay. not blabbering. So, <laughs> but um, wait, how? I don't even know the answer to my own question now, but. I guess the closest, well, it's just because I'm like, I want to be like the close, like the in far in terms of like what they did to their program. Arguably, the like the next, like the only other person who's done as much for their program is probably Coach K. Yeah. But I don't know what, I don't, I don't really know what Duke looked like before Coach K because isn't he like 100? Yeah, he's, he's old. He's pretty old. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know who who was a coach before Coach K. Apparently, a dude named Bill Foster. 
Did he last long? Um, he lasted six seasons. Three of them were good. His last season was mediocre. Win. There was a dude before him named Neil McGaichi. I'm probably mispronouncing that. He had a bad season. That was his only season. Hey, when when was the guy before? When was Coach K's first season coaching? The 1980-81 season. 80-81? Yeah, 80-81. You've been coaching for 40 years? I guess so. That's, uh... He must love the game because that's a lot of commitment. That's a, and for a long, a lot for twenty years. He he was also the Team USA coach, and he just stopped doing that now for the Olympic teams. He just like we were supposed to have one this year, but I guess next year he's not going to be that anymore. And I don't even know who that's going to be. Who's going? It's probably going to be somebody like a. The Boston's head coach, something like that. The Celtics head coach, probably he's more like that. Typical. Not actually, it can't be that because it's much less about X's and O's and more about personality traits and like understanding how to be like a player person. And we all know Brad Stevens is not that. Uh, he's an X and O guy. He don't know how to control his players. Um, so I, I mean, what gonna... are you supposed to do about Kyrie Irving? Huh? Like, well, I'm just like, I'm. Like I don't has he had any issues with players? Because I don't really think Stevens has. They had the whole thing of, like, with uh, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, right? We we're talking about that thing where they were hot after like going down yeah. 0-2. In fairness, like if I'm him, I'm probably just unless they're like about to fist fight, I'm probably just gonna let them hash that out. It needs to get aired out so that we can win games. Just let it be Tyron Lou. Tyron Lou seems to be a player's favorite coaches. Assistant coach and head coach now. But Tyron Lewis seems, seems to be the greatest player personnel coach in the NBA today. Uh, did you see that thing that Paul Pierce said about Doc Rivers? No. Nah. What do you say? Flip some time so I, so I can find on Instagram. Because it, it, okay. it was off of... Uh, cause... But talking about Coach K also, something I thought about for a while is like, Coach K... If like Coach K's career started today the way it did, when he started back, it, it, like when he first got to Duke, he would not become Coach K. Like, he would have just been some dude who coached Duke for a little while. Because I mean, two of his first four seasons there were losing seasons. He just would. People, 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 people are impatient like, nowadays, I guess. Like, his first, like, these are his first four seasons 17 and 13, 10 and 11 and 17, 24 and 10. Well, question though. I think that if Coach K was coming off of the back of losing seasons, I think he'd be given that. I think he would be given the opportunity to try to succeed. But if he was coming from like, if he's coming off the back of like winning seasons, definitely not. He he was coming off the back of winning seasons. Never mind. Like Foster's um, last three seasons, there were twenty-seven and seven, twenty-two and eight, and twenty-four and nine. So why did why did he leave? I'm just going to go out on a limb before I know anything and say he probably simply retired. Oh, you're probably an old like, man, huh? No, actually, he went to South Carolina for reasons that I... Uh, yeah, he just decided to become the coach of South University of South Carolina, I guess. Right, he's mad about that. He's uh, like, 
or Coach K is really happy about that. One of the two. Uh, like this is this, this is what Paul said. Not Paul Pierce, Paul right. George. Okay. The way I was being used, I felt like Doc was trying to play me as Ray Allen or JJ Redick. All pin downs. I can do it, but that ain't my game. The last season, that last season was just hard overall, and he spent a lot of time on. Uh, all the 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 uh, all those smoke podcasts with Mike Barnes and Steven Jackson, just like complaining a lot about this last season. I mean, I had shoulder surgery and it was a hard. I mean, it was bad. I was in a dark place. He was just saying, you know, whatever. And then Doc Rivers was like, and then Doc Day, the reporter, of course, was like, Doc Rivers, guess what Paul George said about you, little simp's, and um. Doc Rivers is like, and they told Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers is like, Ty Lue was sitting right next to me. Ain't going to be much different. <laughs> like, like, let's not act like it was just my decision. That's your head coach now was my assistant coach last year. And everybody knows when Tyron Lue's a head assistant coach, Tyron Lue has a say in what goes on. Because Tyron Lue is like that guy, apparently, when it comes to the coaching staffs. So we're going to see. Luckily enough, I trust Kawhi Leonard enough to kind of overtake how much I don't trust Paul George. Like, I did a lot last year, and that came back to bite me because Paul George became so unreliable. But, like, I hope this year is not the same thing because if it is, I mean, I've heard the argument that, like, Paul George, like, there is a rhetoric out there by, I guess you would call them smart basketball fans, smart in quotes, of course, that Paul George is not a superstar player. Mm-hmm. Paul George is not a superstar, it's not a star player. Paul George is a really good role player. Ah, uh, no. That that's, is, that, that's, that, that's the rhetoric out there, and Paul George, you might be able to make that argument. He's a really good role player. Like, a lot of what the Clippers had, like, two years ago? Like, I'm a... I think that's that's kind of a weak take as far as Paul George. I've, I've never heard that before, honestly. Like, the really? only other person that... Like, that, that, that Paul George is just a really good role player. The only other... The only other player in that, in that like, kind of sphere of talent that I've heard that argument for was um, Melo. Whoever said that is really nuts. Uh, well, and here's the thing, though. In fairness to people who make that argument for Melo, the reason you say it is not necessarily because of, like, it's not like that's the only thing he can do, just like Paul George. It's not necessarily the only thing he can do. But when you think of Melo, like, he, like, at least prior, in particular, prior to him, you know, getting back in the league or whatever you think of, the desire to score and put the ball through the hoop to the detriment of all else, or to the exclusion of basically all else. There, which doesn't say that was all he could do. He like I think he had a couple seasons where he averaged like ten rebounds a game or what have you, and a couple seasons where he actually played defense. But in general, like that, like he would want to score to the detriment, of, like regardless of whether or not he did anything else. Um, I th- Paul George isn't that. I mean, I t- I do tend to believe that the word star and superstar are thrown out to 
nonchalantly in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, like to become a superstar, though, because people consider Paul George a superstar. Mm-hmm. Paul George has never been clutch in the playoffs. Like, if you think of Paul George moments, right? Mm-hmm. You think of like you think of like like off the top of your head. If you think of a Paul George moment, you 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 think of regular season games of him shooting far, that three sixty windmill, that dunk on Birdman. You know what I mean? You think of very specific things, but nothing that's like, like nothing that's like uh, like he has no superstar moments, and he's had opportunity to have superstar moments. Clippers, and Clippers. Pacers and the Pacers team was really good. He was there too, going up against the Heat when they had Warren Hibbert and all them, like mm-hmm. and David West. That was a good Pacers team, and they were supposed to beat the Heat because the big man they had they they had and like the Miami Heat didn't have a big man, but also the big man they have was Roy Hibbert. So like that's a whole weird thing. Um, but like Roy Hibbert was cold for like two seasons. He wasn't even cold for two seasons. He just was like decent against like the Heat for some reason. Like, and that's no, not for some reason. And that's because the Heat had Z- uh, Joel Anthony. Like that was that was their big man. Like they had no, they had awful, awful big man. And Dennis Haslam is a, he's not great. <laughs> like he's never been great. Like he's an undersized big man. Is what it is. But Roy Hibbert was a seven footer who took charges. You know what I mean? Like it was a whole thing, uh, but that but that team still was like supposed to be, you know, supposed to be Miami. Which in hindsight, you like think, look, you look at it and you're like, that's nuts. Uh, but it is what it is. But like Paul George, like I can't think of any like moments that's like, yeah, that's a superstar. Besides like regular season stuff and like middle of the game stuff, nothing that was like, oh, he's solidified. Like every superstar you think. So it's like, oh, he's solidified as like a superstar. Paul George has never had those moments at all. Right. I mean, and I'm not even sure I can necessarily argue against that too much. So I'm just because I'm just gonna be here. In fairness, like my big moments for Paul George basically involve him and the Pacers getting railroaded by Miami, which isn't the argument you should be trying to make. But like. When like it's just like when I teams, it's just kind of like they're really good, but like they they still like they, at the end of the day they still didn't do what they had the potential to do for better or for worse. You know what's crazy? What I guarantee you remember more Lance Stevenson moments than you do Paul George moments with the Pacers. I I don't know if I can agree with that, but. It's like I'd, I'd have to sit and go through the vault, and like there were a bunch of finals where like I caught bits and pieces of it during like school trips, end of year trips, or whatever. So it's gonna be muddled in with other random stuff. But okay, okay. All I'm saying is that is a rhetoric out there. I don't know if I believe it or not. I'm still on the fence about it. Like. You can make you could you could you could pull me either way with the with like how strong your argument is for or against Paul George, but all I do know is like I have no confidence in Paul George, and apparently he has no confidence in himself. Uh, oh yes, because that got because we got way off. So 
something I've been thinking about the last couple of days or so. Um, is it, I feel like one of, and granted, maybe this is less true as you get higher up. I'm like, but I don't, I don't think that's really true. One of the most, one of the most important things a coach can do, I feel like is recognize, and especially at lower levels, but, but recognize what the core of a player's game is. Uh, for Which sure. Is to say, like, recognize, for example, that, like, there are some players, like, the core of their game is shooting. Steph Curry, for example. And so, like, if you're trying to figure out how to use them or, like, how to help them develop a more, a better, like, more well-rounded game or what have you, that is the starting point. You start with the fact that Curry likes to shoot and he shoots very well, and you build the rest of the game around that, which is basically what his game looks like. It's built around the fact that he can, like, hit from the logo fairly consistently. Um, and, like, I feel like I would like to think that most successful coaches are fairly good at doing that um, or recognizing the strength and recognizing and attempting to maximize the strengths and weaknesses of their players. So, like, I'm not really sure if, like, Doc can be blamed for the fact that Paul George didn't show up when Paul George needed to show up? I think a, one attribute to a successful head coach is that he puts his players in the best positions for them and the best positions right. to win. That is like, that's like the yeah. strongest attribute, honestly, for a coach, right? Mm-hmm. The issue is when Paul George took shots, he was really missing them. And then he was really missing open layups. Like, like stuff he shouldn't make, obviously. But if you were watching the games, he was just missing them. And you're like, how are you missing that? You know what I mean? It's right. like you got to make those shots. That one shot where he shot it and he hit off the side of the backboard, that's – it wasn't like somebody was strong testing him. He, he just really missed that shot. And it wasn't out of pocket for him at that moment. So I'm not sure if you can blame Doc Rivers for that. Also, like, it's weird because he also didn't do good that last playoff season or that last playoff series in uh, Oklahoma City. Remember when they missed all those threes? They hit, like, one three the whole game. And, like, it's it seems to be – He's had, whoa, who is his coach? Billy Donovan, Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. Doc Rivers, Clippers. And then for the Pacers, they had the head coach for the... Uh, Vogel, I think they had. Vogel, yeah, the head coach for the Lakers right now. And... No, actually, hold up. Vogel actually, Vogel? in his last season, his, his head coach was uh, Nate McMillan. Okay, so then Nick, 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 Oh, yeah, Vogel did. They had Vogel before that, though. So Vogel, Nick McMillan... Uh, Billy Donovan and uh, Doc Rivers. Right. At some point, you can't. At some point, you know, you just can't blame the, the coach. Like he's kind of been doing the same thing for all of his coaches. Uh, in certain moments, he'll be like Paul George, or Paul George just might be a good regular season player. Like there are those those players do exist. He might end up just being a really good regular season player. But that's not good. You know, 
Kawhi, I'd, rather, I'd much rather rather be Kawhi Leonard than Paul George. I mean, most people would be, but like that's not saying a whole lot. Meaning, like I, I do my best in the playoffs, not in the regular season. Right. That's it, right? right? Like you, if you like basketball and like like winning, you'd rather be that. But Paul George just seems to be a regular season player, which is like the equivalent of like when you're playing in high high school, and there's mm-hmm. like guys who are really good in practice, like they're killing in practice. All of a sudden, in the game, they can't do nothing. That's the exact right. same thing. Like, it's it's these players exist, and it's a confidence thing more times than not. And I'm not Paul George's psychiatrist, and I'm not trying to be. But I do question his confidence in himself, which is weird because you're in the NBA, so like you should have supreme confidence. But it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, like they are still just people. And yeah. like it's and like for a lot of people and granted this isn't really Paul George's issue, but like I'm assuming especially for like a lot of the dudes who get there like who are used to like being the best player on every court that they get on and you get to the league and you're not the best player anymore and you have the dude you spent your entire childhood looking up to busting you for thirty a game, like that's that's probably gonna hit the confidence a little bit. But it's weird because he he seemed to have a ton of confidence in Indiana. It's slowly dwindled, but he seems to have confidence issues, which if you're a superstar, that means you're on it. If you're considered a superstar, that means you're on a team where people are depending on you to be a superstar. And you can't afford to have confidence issues because you're going to be taking a bulk of the shots. And you're a 3 and D player. Not 3 and D player, but you also play defense, so you're a... He's a two-way player, but he's just a basketball player. He's, but he's a two-way player. So all of a sudden, you got to beat defense too. Like, and defense takes a lot of confidence, also. Also, so it's like, yeah. if your confidence is dwindling, then like it, it's going to affect you big time, superstar. Like, you gotta, you gotta like playing defense. There are a lot of dudes, like in the league and just in general, like who will just phone it in on defense or just like just put all their effort in offense and like you know the defense is crap. I mean, I, I was like watching the Clippers this past season, and mm-hmm. I think Kawhi Leonard play defense. One's incredible because mm-hmm. he'll he'll get he'll get beat off the dribble, and then he'll pop up like he wasn't beat off the dribble. It's like it's it's really incredible. Like if you watch it, it's really incredible how quickly he recovers after getting beat, but. It, to add to that, his hands are just so big, his arms are long, so he can like get to the ball even when he is beat. It's 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 like it's literally insane to watch. But Paul George was supposed to be the same thing, but it's just not. I I but I've always thought his defense was, his defense was overrated because when Kawhi Leonard locks a player up, you see like man he's locking him up. Kawhi or Paul George like man he's playing really good defense. But the man will still have 30 against him. Uh, like, in fairness, like in fairness though, right? One, like how the rules are set up, but also just like regarding like LeBron or Kawhi Leonard or like Carmelo Anthony or like any number of these or um, like Steph Curry. And like the thing is, yeah, like the ideal situation with most of these dudes 
is that you can you slow them down. You make them inefficient. Because they're going to chuck they're going to put the shots up. And they are good enough, they're probably going to make them. But like like an ideal situation defensively when you have like when you have to guard the best player on the team is like um there was a there was a series that Memphis played against Oklahoma City where uh Tony Allen they like spent like most of the series more for whatever reason just, just seemed to be in like Durant's head. For reasons like only Durant knows, I guess. And like Durant he was still getting like he was still putting up like thirty points, but it took him like thirty seven shots or something to get his points. Like Yeah. And he was just irritated and he made it, he make them work for everything, make them get tired. So and so like in that respect, like the thing the shirt would be like are like when he plays defense, are the dudes defending less efficient? Because if the because if the answer is no, then yeah, his defense is entirely overrated. But if it is, then like you turn someone like like you turn a really efficient shooter into a volume scorer all of a sudden, like you can't ask for too much more other than you know a crap ton of turnovers. I'll still argue that Kawhi Leonard, my bad, Paul George is still overrated even in that aspect. Oh, that's- I mean, that might be the case. I'm just saying. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, when you see a good defender, like, Kawhi Leonard's good, great, great defender. Drew Holiday, great defender. Jimmy Butler, good defender. But people want to put him in a great category. But I'll say he's just good. He just, work, he, he just looks great because he works hard. You know what I mean? Like, he works hard, so he's, he's a good defender that looks great because he, like, hustles. He's like a I don't know. He's just like one of those guys. Uh, it just, like it, 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 though, just trying to like trying to be a good defender though. You say say it again. Like half of it is trying to be a good defender though. Yeah, but then like so like you have Jimmy Butler who is like a good defender who looks great because he hustles, but you mm-hmm. have Kawhi, for instance, who actually I won't use him because he's just a, a different beast. But you also have. Uh, Drew Holiday, who's a great defender, who he doesn't look like he's trying hard. He just looks like he's just playing good defense or great defense. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, it's just like it's kind of like a difference, but you know, I guess the results are still the same, I guess, but it is what it is. Uh, but then you have Paul George, who, like, he's still be getting cooked. <laughs> like, he really does. But then you also have, like, but then on the other spectrum, you have, like, Steph Curry, who's, like, not a great defender at all, but he just stays in the passing lanes and gets steals. So, mm-hmm. like, he he looks like if you get two steals a game, one steal a game, and you dive on the floor twice, people will think you're a great defender. You're not enough. Yep. You're but yeah. but you're really not, obviously, you know what I mean? But you're good at playing the passing range, but like you're not stopping anybody. It's just like Durant. Durant's not stopping anybody one on one playing defense. But he's getting blocked shots off of help defense and recovery defense. Also, he's an agile seven-footer. He should be getting blocks. <laughs> like, he should be getting blocks. Like, it's not that, the fact that that started blowing people's minds. Like, he's a really good defender. Like two years ago, I'm like, no, he's not. He just gets help. He just plays help defense now. Like, it's a, it's completely different. He's in a, a system where he did that. Um, but he's not a good one. And it's just like, there's not a lot of good defenders in the NBA. There's just a lot of guys who do different things on defense in the NBA. Draymond Green's not a 
He's an overrated defender. I'll say that. Okay, he, Jim Green. Like, he's a good. I would like. You, you might argue he's overrated. But I'm just gonna, like I thought you didn't say he's not a good defender. Like I'd argue he's good, whether or not you think he's great. I'll say he's an overrated defender, but he's one of those players that he's a product of a situation, right? Because in no other like. I can't think of any other time where a player has been in the league as long as Draymond Green, been a, what people would consider a good to great defender, and not good at anything else, and stayed in the league. It's in fairness to him, that's not the only thing he's good at. It's just like... Oh, my bad. He's like, he's a, like, he's a good passer. My bad. There he's, was a point in his okay, career no, where he no, could no, no, no. a little bit. We're, we're, we're not going to do that. He's not a good passer. Right. He's not a good passer. He gives Steph Curry chest passes and Klay Thompson chest passes, and they just happen to shoot the threes over the defenders. He gives uh-huh. basic passes, but they get elevated because he's passing to K- or Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and at one point, Kevin Durant. Like, his right. passes just – that – he makes basic, he makes the most basic passes. Chris Paul's a great passer. Rondo's a great passer. Draymond Green is an average passer. Okay, I did not say he was a great passer. He's a good passer. Also, I feel something I feel is like the type of passing that you need from a Draymond Green is not the type of passing that you need out of Chris Paul. Like you need better passing out of the point guard than you need out of like three three or four. But like for a person playing in those positions, he is a good passer in the way he in the way he passes, the way his game is set up, it works well. Now he's not now he of course his assists look better because like you said, he's passing to two of the greatest shooters, two to three of the greatest shooters of all time. Right. But like it's his passing can help, like, it is good, like, it's good passing. It's not going to wow you. It's not going to make you, it's, it's not, it's not Rondo passing. It's not, um, Lonzo Ball passing. It's, it's not Chris Paul or Ricky Rubio passing. It's like, literally, he's giving Steph Curry a handoff. Steph Curry takes no dribble, shoots it, and he gets the assist. You're, you're, you're selling. You're selling him a little bit. You're, you're selling him short. That happens, but that happens way more than people like give credit to. Like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are such good shooters. Like they're such good shooters. They elevate that team. They elevate everybody else on that team to a status to where it literally made no sense. Like there, like there's no one who can do what Steph Curry does. There's very few people that can do what Clay Thompson does. I mean, in history. Joe Kim Noah was doing what Draymond Green did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, people can do what Draymond Green does. But it's like, but one can do what everybody else did. So, with that being the case, that elevated everybody else and made Draymond Green come across as like a much better for, but we're specifically talking about passing right now, right. passer and defender than, you know. Because and also their 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 defense were schemes to cover up Steph Curry's like to cover up Steph Curry's flaws in in defense they had to play scheme type defense and Draymond Green also fits defense in a, he that he fit in a defensive scheme as soon as 
that scheme kind of had to be shifted when everybody was injured. Once again, that's when you see people's true colors when, uh, when like the main players are injured. All of a sudden, he was not a good defender. He was not a good passer. He was not a good score. He was like he was. He wasn't even a good rebounder. He wasn't even playing because because he got exposed for all of these ad, positive attributes that he brought forth for four, five, six, seven years, whatever have been. Well, I haven't watched their game this season, so I cannot tell you how trash. Okay, they may you should have been bored the last season. But like, what I will say though is that like, again, one of his. Like one of the benefits of him is that, you know, he's a versatile defender. Um, and again, like you said, when you have like Steph Curry, who is not a particularly good man defender, like that versatility has its benefits. It has its benefits in terms of like what you can do offensively, because that means you're not going to get burned as much on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but like I don't think there I don't think there is anybody who like at any point with Draymond Green's career who you like who felt like Draymond was like should ever be the dude like should ever be the guy you have to look to for scoring um, or like be your main focal point of an offense because that was never his game. No, it wasn't. Like and <laughs> so like of course he's not and so like of course if it's like it's not gonna go well if he has to be your main like your main focal point. Yeah. Listen, you got you don't gotta tell me that. Uh, listen, I've been throwing out, and it's not. I think slander is what like, sl- like I'm not slandering Draymond Green because I'm just pointing out things that seemingly are not necessarily factual, but like they have uh, a foundation behind what I'm actually saying. Right? I'm not just throwing things at him just because I hate him or whatever it is. I just like I just like credit where credit is due. And I think too much credit, like weirdly enough, like weirdly enough, this is gonna sound strange, but I think too much credit is due or too much credit has been given to Jermon Green. And I know a lot of credit has been given to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson or whatever. But I think they they legitimately deserve more credit than they've they've been getting because they legitimately changed the game of they legitimately as one team changed the game of basketball players because this happened before Durant even came it was those two players doing you know the 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 shooting that they were doing changed the game of basketball at all levels NBA college. High school, middle school, and elementary school—it changed everything. So they get credit, but also like they just don't get enough credit. Like, you, like there's, there's not too much credit they can get. It's, it's kind of insane to say that, but it's it's what it is. Well, if I may, real quick um, argument: the only if we want to make that argument, the only person who re- the only person who really changed the game. To the level certainly that you're talking about, even on the team, it was just that, like Clay, as good as he is, mm-hmm. like he shoots threes like a normal human being, mm-hmm. right? Right, generally speaking, right around the three point line. All right, mm-hmm. Steph, he changed the game by not doing that, by shooting up, by shoot like his he instead of just set set shot, 
just shooting at a ridiculous clip off the like threes off the dribble from deep, mm-hmm. like changing, like you can't play deep, like you can't play defense on him like you do regular people. You have to change the scheme. He opens the entire like a shooter like him opens the entire floor up. You haven't no one seen anything like that. So of course, like kids want to shoot like him. Mind you, he didn't shoot like that when he was their age, but they don't care. Um Trust me, I coach middle and, school. I know, it's rough. Like it's, it's like in and of course he probably messed up a lot of like kids shoot like shoot like a regular human being first. Get that down and then start doing crazy stuff. I but um but in that respect, he changed the game more than anybody else. Um Clay didn't really change the game that much. He's just really, really good at what he does. Um Are you, Draymond, are you sorry, hmm? sorry, keep going. Draymond a little bit in the sense of like, yeah, there were tweeners and whatever before him, but like one, he's the first one who really kind of stuck and like we don't usually use the tweener thing anymore, like you know, we, we like that versatility that he gave. Um and like in terms of like where you can where you can place him on the floor. And that's an attractive thing that people look for now. Um, but like we wanna be like Golden State changed the game. No, it's basically Steph. Steph cha- like Steph changed the way the game was played. Everybody else in terms of that was just kind of the beneficiaries there. I would say I agree. To an extent, and the only reason I say to an extent is because I just have I put Clay Thompson in that same category, mm-hmm. and, I, and I say that because people people emulate like say Clay Thompson when they were like the first originally like you know when they originally were just before KKD. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson was the best player on the team. It wasn't Steph Curry. It wasn't Steph Curry. It's Clay Thompson. Um, and excuse me. And um, with that being the case, Steph Curry was a lot of the flair and the, in the you know flair and the huzzah, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were emulating Clay Thompson without even realizing it. Like Steph Curry was going up and shooting threes in transition. Which was up until that point a bad shot for anybody, mm-hmm. but Clay Thompson was doing the same thing. Ray Allen wasn't doing that. Ray Allen going to the rim. Any any other shooter that comes off screens weren't coming off screens and shooting like like Clay Thompson. They were shooting like they were Clay Thompson and Steph Curry as a tandem were shooting bad basketball shots. Like they were doing, they were just shooting bad shots. Steph Curry just happened to be shooting bad shots with dribbling. Klay Thompson was shooting bad shots without dribbling. And that's all. That's, but at the end of the day, they were both shooting horrific basketball shots, which still today are bad basketball shots. They just happened to go in for those two because those two hand coordinations is like, it's not real. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, like you said, other people don't realize that. Other people don't realize they're not Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but still to want to take their shots. Yikes! <laughs> so like, while while so while while they changed basketball, they also ruined basketball at the same time. Uh, you know, IQ intellectually wise, at least, um, not on purpose. Just you know, it comes with the territory being great. You know what I mean? Um, 
But that's why I put Clay Thompson in there as well because they're both just shooting bad shots and they both just happen to be making, making good shots or making those bad shots, which is one of those, you know, if you're a coach and you're, you're like, stop, stop, don't do that shot, it goes in, you kind of just be like, mm, it, whatever. And literally, Steph Curry, uh, Steve Curry did that. When, Clay, uh, when Steph Curry did that dribble between everybody and then went to a three-point line, just turn around and shot it. Like, that was literally one of those shots. But you see that shot a lot now, like amongst, like, high schoolers and you don't see it in college because it's a little too structured but high school like lamella ball made a career off of that shot dribble 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 go out shoot a three right like he was a youtube sensation from that from shots like that and it's unfortunate but it is what it is um at this point uh but that's why i put clay thompson up there with um Steph curry also apparently that's like a hot take that clay thompson was a better player than Steph curry but whatever um, you know, I'm I'm gonna move away from this just because there's there's really it's just me venting for like a minute or whatever with this basketball. Um, so like of course last time last time I saw Memphis play, which was earlier this week, or which was uh, middle last week, they looked better than they did at the start of the season, which is to say they have ball movement in the offense. It's not that like it's not that good. Like it, it, it it's kind of ugly to watch. Is Kenny Harper still coach? Yeah, he's still coach. Like their their defense is fine. Their defense was good, causing havoc and turnovers. But then they get the ball, like the in the at the start of the season, they get the ball, no passing. Whoever gets it just comes down and jacks up a bad shot, right? And just like yeah, that's that's not gonna work. Um, they have some ball movement now, which is improvement. It's better than no ball movement. But it's still not necessarily good ball. Yeah. Um, and what the women's? I, I'm not a fan of the women's team. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's just bad. I'm just not. Um, it's just like she. I just feel like she's not maximizing the talent she has, and also has much. I feel like she has players on two sides of the leash, if you will, like. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like we talked about, like how some 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 teams will be like super free flowing or whatever. Or, like players can kind of do what they want, and others is like super duper structured. And we're like, you're only taking the shot, you know, the coach says that isn't gonna shot at you for or what have you. Hers is close to the bad end. Um, the problem is, is that you have what's the phrase I've seen used? What I think it because I thought because I caught two of their games this week. Uh, um and I believe there's a phrase that I've seen that was um snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Um Okay, I see you over here, a glory road. <laughs> that's, that's a which was no I have no idea where that where that came from. But um but no that was they played St. Louis. They were up most like they were they were up going into like the final minutes of the fourth. Really? And it, yep, they let St. Louis tie it up, and then St. Louis won in o- in overtime. But it should have never gone to overtime. Um, Man. But yes. also, you have a really good three point shooter, and you don't let the three point shooter take good three point shots. Mm. And it's just like, what's the point? It's like. You recruited them because they were a good shooter. They shot. They shot well. She shot well freshman year. 
but like all but the shots that you give her to shoot are like release valve shots they're shots after everything else is broken down and the shot clock is dwindling down to zero or what have you like most of them just aren't good shots let me ask a question why are, in college basketball are people so infatuated with this kid what's his name the white kid who transferred from georgetown um uh matt mcclung yeah and he goes to where now texas tech um i don't even remember hold up let me i don't remember why are people so infatuated with this kid though like like i i remember seeing his high school highlights you know he's dunking all the place whatever it is mm-hmm. but like I'm, I'm getting updates when he scores 20 points so dates i'm like what's going on so here's the basic there there are two basic reasons for this i feel like all right one is that he He's kind of like, as like, you, and like you get a couple of these guys every season, one or like every so often, you know, one of them dudes who's like kind of a human highlight reel in terms of like they they do nice dunks and whatever. Um, and like you, and like there are a couple of those guys wandering around the NCAA pretty much all the time. Um, granted, most of them um, are like, Another dude who like probably follows the Matt McClung thing would be like, uh, dang it, what's that dude's name? Played for Duke, tripped people. Don't know why he did that. Huh? Bryson Thank you. Like Brayson Allen, but also like McClung, like he was like the first. He was the first good white basketball player at Georgetown. In about twenty years, they, mm-hmm. or actually probably before, since basically Big John Thompson got there, you know, rest in peace and all that. Um, rest in peace and all that, Ralph. Sounds real genuine, Calvin. Well, like it's just kind of <laughs> sad that he went though, for real. Rest in peace, rest, like rest in peace and all that. <laughs> whatever, but um, <laughs> but like he's he's but basically since Big John got to Georgetown, which was in like the eighties. McClung was the first, like, white basketball player to play at Georgetown and average more than 10 points a game. Or average 10 points a game or more. Really? Um, yeah, but a lot of it is probably just a general infatuation with, like, he can, you know, put people on posters every so often. Like, he's a solid player. It's, okay. I don't know, kind of a weird spectacle thing, I suppose. Oh, okay, because I, I did not understand the hype. I'm like... He went to Georgetown. Like usually, usually people go to, go to a place and they transfer away. You only really hear about them from like that place they transferred to. And I'm just like, because that happens every year, right? People transfer. They got to take a year out. They do the whole entire thing, whatever. But I'm just like, why am I getting ESPN updates about this kid? Like that never happens. But I was, and I was like, all right, let me ask Calvin what's going on because I won't lie to you. I watched the first half of the KU Washburn game, and that's. All I, that's all the basketball I watched um, in terms of like actual basketball playing uh, this past week, uh, which was you know Washburn's Division Two. You know, KU pay KU plays them and what and KU pays KU plays Washburn. KU pays money to Washburn for them to pay them so they can beat them, beat the brakes off them essentially. You know what I mean? It's like one of those kind of deals. Um, right. And I watched the first half of that. I didn't watch the second half because I was like, oh, I got other things to do. I didn't watch a team get blown out 
uh, especially with no fans in the crowd. It's like I'll I'll at least watch something like good with no fans, but nothing like this. Uh, so you know that's, that's all I watched personally this past week, though, outside of like interviews and you know the usual stuff I watch in, t- in terms of the NBA and things like that. So is that it? I mean, it's just like there's some other games that I've watched. Oh, okay, keep going. So, um, well, it's like the thing is I don't have as much detail for them because it's just well, it's just like what I think Baylor played like Baylor's women's team women's team played. Iowa State, I think. Uh, no, 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 no. Correct. It was Arkansas. They played Arkansas. Well, if you ask me, Philip, what do you know least about in this world? I would say the Arkansas women's basketball team. I know nothing about that at all. Like, I know nothing about their team. I, granted, I don't know much about women's basketball in the first place. Um, I know it's not like a, I don't watch women basketball because it's women playing basketball kind of thing. It's just that I watch so much and I got so much time that like I just I just don't have time to watch you know the Sunday games and Sunday games on ESPN and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, so I kind of keep it up for you guys to like keep me uh, you know involved in, in in the women's basketball talk. Well, like as far as it goes, as far as their team. In fairness, this is kind of you know, selling the team collectively short, but like the main person that people are going to talk about is Chelsea Dungy, um, who, you know, put up 22, you know, in the, in the game um, and spent a lot of the game with four fouls. Mm. Uh, at least the end of the shoot had, had him by the end of the game anyway. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I didn't watch that one with the volume up. So <laughs> I, it's just like I don't have that much to comment about, other than like it was it was a good game. It was close at the end. Um, Do you have hard, any- oh yes, oh okay. yes. Something that I would like to whine about. This is this is what I no. It, it, it's basically whining, man. But it's not just with them. But it's basically all college basketball. The refing has been hot garbage. What is the the refereeing has not been good. Oh, okay. like. There's, it, it feels like there's been a lot of phantom foul calls, a lot of ticky tack stuff, um, a lot of like just general, like you probably just didn't need to call that, like because yeah. and like it's to the point where it's just like it kills the pace of the game, and it's just kind of like why, <laughs> like some of it's just like that was a bad call. That was a good call, but you didn't necessarily need to call that. You could have left that. You could have just let them play. Mm, okay. And what have you? And it's and some of it's just like bad. Like it, it's just it has made a lot of the games, even the ones that you that you know I've enjoyed watching. It's made a lot of the games a lot less enjoyable and a lot more annoying to watch. I just hmm, that's, that's that's interesting. I. I don't know. I think I now I'm in this mode of where training camp, God, this happened so fast. Training camp for the NBA just started, mm-hmm. which is nuts to me. But like I'm in this I'm in this mode of like I'm listening to like the after practice press conferences of like the coaches and uh, some of the players and 
just saying things right now where that's going because I know what the season starts December 22nd. Like, it's going to be a lot, man. It's going to be a lot. And I'm like getting, I'm getting, getting my head wrapped around this basketball season, like kind of normal again. You know what I mean? Because, because th- according to like the doctors, like first, like, uh, like uh, phase one, phase two, phase three, all kind of stuff when it comes to the vaccine is going to be happening around like springtime, March ish. Um, like according to like Fauci and all kind of, all that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to see about that. But by the time like the NBA finals come around, which is what like is what Juneish now, I guess, uh, for this upcoming season, for this upcoming season, about like June, like it, like a normal season, I guess would, mm-hmm. um, things might be completely different than what they are now. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, yeah. the next six months are so unpredictable. <laughs> like it's just so much. Like I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Like, hey, man, sports are going to be it's going to be full throttle. Because football season still, and it's basketball, or NBA basketball, and it's college basketball, and I'm going to be like, and I still got, like, a life. I'm coaching. Uh, I got to get my two hours of YouTube in before I go to sleep every night. Like, it's like, it's, it's still a whole giant thing, and I'm just like. I mean, the thing to do as far as, like, trying to watch stuff is just, like, pick a couple games every, out every week. You're like, these are the ones I'm going to watch. And let the rest fall where it may. Like, I'm, I already know what I'm going to do. Listen. I have NBA League League. I have NBA League Pass. I watch the Pistons because my favorite player is Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch the Clippers because the Clippers. And I like Kawhi Leonard. And I'm gonna watch the Pelicans. Every game, I'm gonna try to watch one of those three teams, and then I'm gonna watch KU. And, but then all of a sudden, I might have to end up watching the ESPN game of the day because it might be like the Clippers, for, or it might be like I don't know. Uh, Lakers versus Celtics, or it might be Heat versus 76ers. You know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those, like, really good games. I'm like, oh, I got to watch that, too. So, like, I'm, I've been doing this my whole life. Like, I've, I've been doing it my whole life, but, like, right now, I'm in the calm before the storm. That's what it is in my mind. I'm just like, ooh, it's coming. Something we forgot to talk about, actually, on the pod um, that, we were, that we were talking about before we started rolling um, was that thing I pulled up for you. Um, just before, like, I get that's a drop today. That whole thing with um, the, M- the NBA implementing a new resting policy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and like, for those unaware, the NBA is supposedly going to be implementing a new resting policy for the 2020 2021 season, where which prohibits teams from resting healthy players for like high profile nationally televised games. Um, and the violation, of, like, violating that could result in fines of at least $100,000. <laughs> I'm surprised the players, the players' union, didn't like combat that because that's like a really like dance monkey dance. We're playing you, kind of like mindset. So I'm really surprised the players' union allowed that to be a thing, unless they're just like planning or hoping that like they can come like a ticky tack injury. You know what I mean? Like just kind of like toss it out there, and all of a sudden like oh he can't play because of this. But like uh, I don't I don't like that. Like I'm pro player over pro like corporation or like management or owner whatever it is so the more power the players have the happier that i am like I'm, i want the players to have as much power as possible can possibly be and i think this kind of counteracts that and i don't know how, like it isn't kind of counteract it it really does counteract that so i don't feel too great about it 
Granny, I just found out about this. I don't know how long how long have you been going? Uh this is this is some news that dropped today. Okay, because I just found out about this before the podcast started. That might have been like an hour and a half ago, or whatever yeah. it is. And I'm gonna sleep on it. I'm gonna lie to you. I'm gonna sleep on it. Cause right now in here, like initially, I don't I don't like it. But I'm gonna sleep on it to give more in-depth reasons of why I don't like it. <laughs> like, like I know I don't like it, but I wanna be able to articulate why I don't like it, like truthfully and honestly, because it's obviously not a good thing. Players, you're taking away power. You're taking away power from the players. What is this, 1940? You better play, or else, like, come on now. Like, you're gonna take a hundred thousand dollars. You better, you better turn that a hundred thousand dollars into to charity or something like that. <laughs> like, you better do something like that, as you're gonna take money from these players and don't 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 put it in your own pockets. Don't do that. So I, you best know you better not do that. Just to um. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-